Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and today we get to speak with Dr. Kathleen Webke. Kathy was Arizona's first national board certified teacher. She first heard about national board certification at the Representative Assembly of the National Education Association. It was that debate that convinced her that this could be the catalyst to bring change to the teaching profession and something she wanted to challenge. With no one wanting to pursue national board certification with her, she went at it alone. She made the assumption that perhaps if she did it first, others might follow. That is exactly what happened, and today, Arizona is home to over 1,200 National Board Certified Teachers. Kathy later worked with a team of teachers to design and implement a mentoring program for beginning teachers in the Paradise Valley Unified School District. Several years later, she became a principal at a large elementary school in that same school district. Soon after, she found herself at the Arizona Department of Education as Deputy Associate Superintendent. In that role, she oversaw certification and licensure, professional development, ed tech, and approval of teacher preparation programs. Kathy also served for seven years as the board member of the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards, where she was a member of the Executive Committee and the chair of their Mobilization Committee. Each of these experiences guided her to her current position of Executive Director of the Arizona K-12 Center. The Arizona K-12 Center provides professional learning opportunities for Arizona's pre-K-12 teachers in the areas of learning, leadership, and technology. She believes she is creating a new generation of learners and leaders. Kathy firmly believes that when teachers learn, kids learn. So welcome, Dr. Kathleen Webke. How are you? I am great, Lily. Thank you for having me on today. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. As you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership, and we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. I was born ready. ready. That's right. (laughs) You look ready. All right. So can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. I always wanted to be a teacher. I had great teachers and I never really saw myself as a leader. I never really aspired to be that. I just wanted to be the best teacher I could be. And about my third year of teaching, a teacher came up to me and she said, we want you to be the building rep for the teachers union. And I said, me, I'm only my third year. What do you mean me? And no, we think you've got leadership abilities. We think you do a great job. And so that's actually, I think, where I got started. And I stayed the building rep and I kind of made my way through the leadership rounds of our local teachers association and served on the executive board and went to the annual National Education Association representative assembly many, many times, was an active member of the union. And so there were opportunities within that. 
both formal and informal roles to lead. But then, you know, I started doing things at the school site, you know, whether it be grade level chair or taking on some new initiative or working with other teachers to explore something. And all of it to me was the heart and soul of my kids and the teaching that I did. And I wanted everyone to have a chance to lead. And I thought I could be that person to help them. So when you say you wanted everybody to have a chance to lead, what do you mean by that? I wanted others to see that they too could be leaders and it wasn't just about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the worst thing we can do as leaders is think that it's about us or in our leadership journey, being remiss to cultivate leading opportunities for other teachers because for things to be sustainable and for things to last, we need to make sure that we have uh, strong teacher leaders. And so that means bringing new teachers in the fold, uh, maybe those that aren't quite experienced, just so they can be around strong strong leaders and see what it's about and learn like I did. It's not that difficult. And so, you know, as I did all this, it was other people's faith in me. And so it's almost paying it forward as you invite others to do that work with you. And so what are you doing now, Kathy? Currently, I am the executive director of the Arizona K-12 Center. Uh, We're part of Northern Arizona University. Uh, We provide professional development, professional learning opportunities for teachers throughout Arizona. And part of that work is teacher leadership. We have four basic tenets that we work with, vision, learning, leadership, and technology. And we provide professional learning opportunities in those buckets. Wow, that sounds like really important work. So you work with the universities We are part of Northern Arizona University, and we are part of the College of Education, but we are not located on the University of Northern Arizona University campus. We are located in Phoenix, Arizona, and we work primarily with teachers that are already in the profession. We don't offer credit-bearing coursework, so our job is to help a teacher move their practice forward. So just like you might go to a for-profit company to attend a professional learning event, mm-hmm. that's some of the same things that we do, where we try to make them affordable, accessible, and relevant to Arizona's teachers and what we think Arizona teachers need. So for example, today we are providing days uh, seven and eight of cognitive coaching on our site. We will be training our teachers who are mentoring beginning teachers through a partnership we have with New Teachers Center. And then at the end of the week, we'll be having Dr. Dominique Smith working with us around restorative practices. So each week, each day, there's something new that's coming here. And our goal, our hope is that teachers through their own professional learning plans on site will find things that we might offer that will enhance their goal. So is most of this work online? No, it's face-to-face. I know that there are a lot of people that like to do online work, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we find our most successful professional learning opportunities are when teachers can be in the same room with other teachers. I think often teachers crave that opportunity to be with other adults because they are with children all day. And in our training, we try to do what we know works in professional development. So for example, the eight days of cognitive coaching, it's not eight consecutive days. We break them down into two-day chunks so they have an opportunity to learn, go back into their classroom setting or their work setting, whatever that might be, and practice those skills, refine those skills, 
come back and reflect on what they've learned, how they've applied it, and then take in some new learning. We really try to avoid one-day PD. Now, that's yeah. not to say one and done occur. doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean that we don't do it. Right. But what we do hope is that when we do offer it, it's part of something much bigger at their site and in their own professional learning. So, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning that you started off as a teacher and then three years in, someone tapped on your shoulder and said, hey, can you lead in this capacity? You stepped into that role, which was great. But most teachers don't think of themselves as leaders. Um, can you speak a little bit into that? Like, I absolutely believe that they are probably the most important leaders in the building. But how important is it that they understand that important role of leadership? I think it's important, but I think what's more important is the confidence that others might have in you. Because I think sometimes we don't see ourselves as capable or confident in this world. I think, for example, people might see really dynamic leaders and say, wow, they are unbelievable, but they forget that oftentimes they're teachers just like us, they're educators just like us. They just had an opportunity or they took advantage of something. Every summer we run our Teacher Leadership Institute where we really encourage teachers to come in teams to really explore different leadership pathways. And last summer and last year, we've been doing a lot of work over the years with Dr. Dennis Shirley and looking at leadership at an international, national, state, school, and local level and a community level. And so what I really wanted to do is we do a lot of talking and we do a lot of reading about people all over the world. And yet I know that there are amazing teacher leaders here in Arizona. So what we tried to do is to shine a spotlight on different teacher leaders in these different capacities. So, for example, we highlighted a teacher down in Tucson, Arizona. Her name is Julie, and she is a National Board certified teacher. She had been teaching student English language learners at the high school level, really found that to be her passion. And in the role in the school that she worked in, she was working primarily with refugee students. And she really wanted to create a center for refugee students. So she's an example of a teacher that left teaching to open up a center for high school age refugee students to help them be better prepared oh. for that high school experience and to get through high school. There's another teacher, Eve, also down in Tucson. She wanted to open a school of her own, a rigorous environment, but still a caring environment for all children that come through their doors. We had another teacher at the state level. He's a physics teacher, and we don't have enough physics teachers in Arizona to do the kind of things. And I actually think that's probably nationwide. So mm -hmm. he worked with the Arizona legislature to create a pathway to create more physics teachers. Each of these examples and the other ones that I haven't even spoken of here, they were all ordinary teachers like you and I mm -hmm. who had an idea 
and worked with others and stepped up. And so what I'm hoping when I shine a spotlight here at the Arizona K-12 Center on individuals, they might see teachers that look like them, that teach children very similar to their own, and where they might say, hey, if they can do that, maybe I can. And so right now, uh, because of these teacher leaders, we are now running a social media campaign that we've recently kicked off. Tell us your Arizona teacher leader story at hashtag (laughs) AZ teacher leader. And what we want them to do is tell their story so that perhaps we can shine a spotlight on them next summer and pay it forward and keep it going. Wow, that's a lot of wonderful work that you're doing there. Sounds really intriguing. And if I want to tune into that, where is it? AZ Teacher Leader. Awesome. So, Kathy, how would you describe your leadership style? That's a very difficult question. Uh, No one's really asked that of me. I think it's probably one that's a collaborative one. It's an inclusive one. We're working on several projects here at the center. And I know that the more hands that are in it, the more talent that's around. And I think that we make something much stronger. I have never made anything that I get involved in about me because it isn't. For me, my passion are Arizona's public schools and the educators that serve Arizona students. So quite often, Mm -hmm. I'm not the smartest person in the room. In fact, very rarely am I. And so my goal is to bring people together so that we can work together to advance the practice of teaching so that our students are our ultimate beneficiaries. Awesome. That's a great passion. Now, tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? The one that just comes right to my mind, the one that says, be the change you wish to see in the world. Uh, That's been like my North Star, Mm -hmm. because with that quote, you can't just expect others to do it. You need to be it and you need to bring other people along. So that's the quote that resonates most. And I can see how you've applied that in your life. It's one of my favorite quotes. You know, you're speaking to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kathy, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I'm inspired by leaders who I guess share the same passions I do. I'm inspired by leaders who have made a difference in their community. I'm inspired by leaders where I can learn something from that person and maybe apply it in my own context. And I'm inspired by leaders who just through their words and actions inspire others to action. It's a variety of people. I mean, I'm thinking right now of several leaders that I've known over the years, and they've all inspired me in different ways. But I think at the core of them is just their commitment to public education and the students we all serve. I think every child deserves an incredible learning opportunity. For me, I was fortunate. I had great teachers, and I loved learning. And I want that same feeling for all children. We're all learning, right? So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm practicing listening. Um, And I continue to see how I need to practice it more and more. So what I'm doing is I'm listening for some characteristics that jump out at me about you and leadership. Would you mind if I share that? 
No, not at all. You're not going to get uncomfortable on me, are you? Probably. Don't they say that when you're uncomfortable, that's where learning occurs? Oh, you're so smart. Okay. (laughs) All right. So you occur to me as a leader who is very curious and you like to explore things. You value other people. And I can tell by the way you speak about and you highlight those around you, either those you've led or are responsible for leading or you empower them, um, your team. You take this as a great responsibility. You create pathways for others, which is what a great leader does. They lift other people up. You're proud of them. And it's real clear. You easily remember their stories. It's on your heart. You're very self-aware. You know your passions, and that's incredibly important as a leader. You're humble, which is also a wonderful thing because I think humility and wisdom go hand in hand. You're very committed, you're very grateful, and you love learning. You said that one. So I'm really thankful that you get to share your story and your journey with us, and I'm inspired by you. Well, thank you, Lily. You're welcome. So Kathy, can you share with us what's the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice, I don't know if I can point it to one single person, Listen to others who have greater confidence in you than you do, because I think uh, left to our own devices, sometimes we wouldn't do things. We wouldn't step out if we didn't have the prodding and encouragement to others. But at the same time, listen to yourself. I have a saying on my desk, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm -hmm. And that's been something that has guided me because I think oftentimes as teachers, we're so used to succeeding at things that oftentimes we don't want to try something because we're afraid we might fail. And for my own life, I think the thing that has changed me the most, and as you were saying those words, Lily, it really brought me back to that time. Um, As I shared, I was very active in the teachers union. And I think in the mid-90s, it must have been late 80s, there was a push for the National Education Association to embrace the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards and this new idea they had about National Board certification. And as I listened to the debate, and so I think about just that curious nature that you just talked about, I really started thinking about the potential of board certification on the teaching profession. And it could advance the profession and I think really professionalize a profession that I cared deeply about. And so in 1994, 95, somewhere around there, my local union and superintendent approached me about seeking national board certification. They had a statewide meeting. Uh, There weren't many people in the room that were there to learn about it. It was really at the beginning stages of the national board. And little did they know that I had been thinking that this was something that I wanted to do. And I think some people there thought they talked me into it. But I pretty much had convinced myself that when it became available. But what those people did is they pushed me a little bit. I wasn't quite there, but their faith and belief in me pushed me over to the side of just being curious and thinking about doing something to actually doing it. And so they couldn't find anybody that year to do it. So I did it by myself. So you were a trailblazer. Yes, that would be one word for it. Mm -hmm. I was a little crazy, but a trailblazer (laughs) nonetheless. But I really relied on my colleagues and family to help guide me through a process that was brand new and that I was totally unfamiliar with. 
the national board process in the late 90s is very different than the national board process in 2017. But what hasn't changed are the five core propositions and the standards that guide our practice. Those standards have been updated to reflect new learnings that we have about teaching and learning, but at the core, those core propositions and standards that guide our practice. And so as I pursued it, you know, I'm always honest. It was overwhelming because I didn't know what I was doing. Just like anything brand new, if you're not clear, it can be overwhelming. But I did finish. Mm -hmm. And I finished and I submitted everything on time. And in those days, you submitted your portfolio first. And then two weeks later, you had to go to one of six testing sites around the United States. That's not what happens today. But I remember taking the test thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I am not going to be a board certified teacher. And when I came back, my students were really anxious to hear how well I did. And they kept pestering me. And I really was convinced it's not humility. It was just honesty. It was so overwhelming and so hard. I really didn't think I had achieved. And they kept pestering. How did you do? How did you do? And, you know, I ignored them, you know. And finally, this one kid, I'll never forget his name, Sean. He raised his hand. He says, you're not answering our questions. How well did you do? And I remember saying, well, Sean, I don't think I did very well. And then it was like a hush. And he says, well, you passed it, didn't you? You're going to pass it, right? And I said, well, I won't know for a while. And I mean, I was just like bare naked in front of my Mm -hmm. students because you don't want to admit to your students that you don't know something. And I said, well, no, I won't know for a while, but I don't think I passed. And there was just like this hushed silence in my classroom. I think the students were kind of in disbelief that their teacher didn't achieve something. And this kid, he raised his hand again. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what other questions could you possibly have? I'm just bare naked in front of all of you. I've admitted my greatest failings. And he said, yeah, but did you do your best? And I looked at him and my first thought was, oh, my gosh, I knew where he was taking this. And I thought, doing your best, that's for you, not for me. But Mm -hmm. I said, well, of course I did my best. Yes, I did my best. I reflected on that question and I did take it seriously. And I looked at him and I said, yes, I did my best. And then he said, well, then that's all that matters because that's what you tell us every day. And that's a story that I've taken my whole life because that's all I wanted for my students is to do their very best. Because if we think about humanity, if we all just approach whatever we're doing that day and we do our best, sometimes our best is way out of the ballpark. And sometimes our best doesn't meet that standard. But we can honestly say, today I did my best and I'm going to learn from today and this is how I'm going to approach tomorrow. So I realized that I did do my best. And as I prepared for the next school year, still not knowing if I became a board certified teacher, I saw that I had changed my practice and it became very evident when I sat for the annual fall conference that teachers sit with their principals as they sit and talk about their goals. And I knew that I had changed. And I really at that point did not care whether I had become a board certified teacher or not. I knew that I was a better teacher. I wanted to be a board certified teacher, but I realized that I had met my goal and I hadn't even achieved what I'd set out to achieve because I was an improved teacher. But I will never forget December 2nd, 1996, (laughs) I got a FedEx envelope and I couldn't open it. I made a friend open it and it said, congratulations, uh, you're a national board certified teacher. And I just uh, remember that day vividly. It was an experience like none other. 
and it was an experience that I wanted for other teachers in Arizona. And so since December 2nd, 1996, I have really committed a large part of my professional career to bringing that opportunity for other teachers. Because I think even if you don't call yourself a board certified teacher at the end of it, you are an improved teacher. And it gave me a language to talk about my practice. And it gave me a degree of confidence that I didn't have in myself before. And quite honestly, when you're the first at anything, it gave me a platform to talk about not only board certification, but the role a quality teacher makes in the lives of others. Wow. So what would you tell a teacher now who's thinking about this, but is on the fence about becoming a board certified teacher? I would say do it without any hesitation. You're going to learn a lot about yourself as a teacher, and that's a good thing. You spend so much time reflecting and analyzing your practice that learning does occur. And along with it, I know for us in Arizona and some of the ways we've structured things, you're going to have other board certified teachers and other professionals coaching you along the way. And it really does open up the profession. I think teaching is a very isolated profession. Even when you work in an urban or suburban community, oftentimes the only teachers that you interact with are the teachers in your department or your grade level. And very rarely, like I taught in a K-6 elementary school, I never talked to the kindergarten teachers. And I certainly did not talk to teachers much outside of my building. And in Arizona, the way we've structured things is this process and the collaborative nature of it and bringing people together that are seeking board certification together. I have the opportunity to speak with and work alongside teachers pursuing the same certificate that I am that might teach on the Navajo Nation, that might teach in very rural areas. I always taught in suburban communities and working alongside teachers who work in our urban core. And I think that that opens up that sphere of teaching and those experiences and increases our opportunities for learning because we can learn from one another at the same time. So for those that are sitting on the fence, I say do it because you're going to walk away as an improved teacher. And I think at the end of the day, all of us really want to be the best teacher that we can be for the students that we teach. And you know, Kathy, from my observation too, not just the very best teachers, but also leaders, because I've spoken to a couple of board certified teachers. And to me, your training, the coaching you've received, the insights that you have are very high level leadership concepts. I totally agree. National board certified teachers They're teachers like you and me again. You know, they put their practice up for public review and a good percentage of the teachers will say, I fell in love with my profession all over again. Oh, I love that. And I think in that, we also want to give back to that profession and we want to help others move their profession forward. And I think nowadays, especially when teacher shortages are throughout the United States and in Arizona, they're particularly bad. I want to nurture and grow and keep every teacher that we have, and they cannot wait for this experience until their 13th or 14th year of teaching, which is when I think I did it. I think younger teachers want leadership experiences much earlier in their career, and so I think it behooves all of us to talk that language, talk about the standards, 
talk about the core propositions, talk about the architecture of accomplished teaching with pre-service students all the way in our mentoring and induction programs so that teachers can see as they enter this profession, students and beginning teachers, that board certification should be part of their career trajectory. And so maybe in that fourth, fifth, or sixth years, they are going to pursue national board certification. And I think that every board certified teacher, they're going to lead in their own ways. And maybe their leadership is in their classroom, in their grade level, in their department. But they're going to lead their students. They're going to lead their colleagues. But then they might find that they want to be a coach or a mentor, or perhaps they might want to someday be a principal or a curriculum specialist, whatever it is, I want people to see that there are multiple leadership paths for educators in our school system. Right, and I can see that they would be more prepared for that in the future. Hey leaders, here's a quick message. If you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, Go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. So you mentioned coaching a couple of times. How important is that in education? I think that's extremely important. I always get myself in trouble when I talk about professional sports because I'm not um, a real sports fanatic. But I do know that on any professional sports team, they have multiple coaches that just focus on one thing, whether it be baseball or basketball or any professional sport. And I am from an era of teaching where I got my degree and then a license to be a teacher And I was put into a classroom and that was it. I didn't have any mentoring and no one ever came in to check up on me. And nowadays, you know, many districts and many schools provide coaching opportunities for not only beginning teachers, but we have literacy coaches, we have math coaches, we have coaches to help teachers who are struggling. And I think through the use of coaches and coaching, we all realize that we don't have to be perfect, that we can learn from experience, and our coaches can frame questions that really challenge us to reflect and analyze our practice so that we can be more effective with our students. And so I think that there probably are not near enough coaches and Mm -hmm. mentors in our schools, but I think coaching is invaluable because we all need help. We all need support because things change so rapidly in our schools. Right. And I absolutely agree. Now, Kathy, I'm sure throughout these years in education, you've either created teams, been a part of a team, or cultivated teams. What does it mean to have a good team, and how do you build or sustain one? I think the best teams are the ones where we have a shared vision. Mm. But I think the strongest teams are those where people have different talents and maybe multiple perspectives so that we can be a stronger team to meet that end goal. I think about some of the things that we've done here at the Arizona K-12 Center, and even when I was teaching. Sometimes the best leaders 
are those that step aside and let others take over. Hmm. And I think it's knowing the skills and talents. Just this last weekend, I was out of state at a meeting with a grant that we're working on. And I made the comment, I said, I think we need to bring this stakeholder and this leader into the conversation because I think that they will listen to me, but they'll really listen and react to this other person. And I think that's who we need to have in this conversation. So I think it's really relying on the multiple perspectives and the talents of everybody around the table, but not being afraid to reach out to other people to say, we need your help. Hmm. So I, I did write another word down that really resonates with me and means a lot to me about you, you know, and I want you to hear this because it's extremely important. You are a secure leader. And I want to stress that because even if we live in insecurity or have insecurities, if we bring that into leadership, we can hurt a lot of people. But if we're conscious about that and we take responsibility for that, then it speaks volumes. I have goosebumps because I've been around a lot of insecure leaders that haven't addressed it. And I've seen the damage that they do. What you are just describing is the complete opposite of that. And I want to honor you because what you're doing in addressing whatever your issues were, what you have done is empowered other people. You have stepped aside, given them the platform. And I have to tell you, Kathy, that's an amazing leader. And I want to really honor you because I've been burnt by insecure leaders. I've, I, you know, I'm sure you have as well. Um, and we all have insecurities, but when we let that guide who we are and our leadership, that's damaging. But when we take responsibility for it, it can create so many possibilities. And so thank you. You inspire me. Well, thank you, Lily. I would be uh, less than honest if I didn't say that. I think some of this comes from experience and age. I remember once I worked for a principal who made the comment, the best leaders are those that step aside and let others take credit. And at the time I said, I don't want others to get the credit. I want to get the credit. And she says, that's not what leaders do. And so, you know, sometimes someone might offer you something at that moment in time that you're not ready to hear, but you walk away and you think, yeah, she was right. <laughs> and so thank you for that. All right. So Kathy, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? You know, obviously the pursuit of board certification was a challenge just because I was doing something others had never done before. The other challenge that I faced is when I first came to the Arizona K-12 Center, I was charged with creating a new vision and direction for the center. And up until that point, I'd spent a couple of years as a principal and I'd worked at our Department of Ed for a couple of years, but I'd spent the bulk of my career as a classroom teacher and a mentor, but mostly as a classroom teacher. And all of a sudden, I had the charge of this center, and I was asked to create a new vision and direction for it. I knew what the center did at the time. We managed professional development grants. But here I was able to say, wipe the slate clean. You can do whatever you want here. That's fun. No 
Yeah, it was fun, <laughs> but daunting because I had no data on which to base decisions on. Mm. And I just didn't feel I had the luxury of spending a year investigating. Right. You know, we needed to capitalize on momentum. We needed to engage teachers. The comment that was made to me is we just need to make sure the teachers know who the center is and what the center is about. And so I remembered I didn't have a lot of experiences to draw on as I developed the center and kind of what I wanted it to be about. And so all I could do was base it on the experiences that I had as a teacher. And I go back to that national board experience because after I became board certified, you know, you're the only one in the state of Arizona and all of a sudden, you know, you're in this role that you never sought. <laughs> and I remember there was a teacher in Arizona, maybe a couple years after I achieved board certification, who could never get board certified. And she lived in a very, very remote part of Arizona. And this person I was working with, with the Arizona Education Association, said to me, I don't understand why she's not getting board certified. You know, I hear she's their best teacher. And I said, I'm sure she is their best teacher. I said, look at where she lives. Look at the isolated working conditions. How does someone like her, where she lives, move her practice forward? How does she improve? How does she get to take advantage of things that have been laid at my footsteps in a suburban school district? And so I really used that experience of that teacher who never became board certified to guide the work of the center, that no matter what, I wanted our center to be for all teachers, not for the selected few that the principal might decide to send, but I wanted us to be affordable and accessible enough that if that teacher wanted to, she could come and take advantage of our services. Because I was board certified, I had some very unique opportunities provided to me. Mm -hmm. And where I was treated very differently than I was treated as a teacher. And I wanted to make sure that those similar experiences, the way people treated me as a professional, the way they spoke to me was the same way we would treat our guests that came to the center to learn. So that was the second thing. And then the third thing is I looked around at the educators that I admired and I said, I have no data I have nothing but my own experiences and what my own gut is telling me. What do you think is a direction we should take? And I remember having breakfast with a professional development leader that I really respect, and she actually is still doing the same job. And she said, Kathy, if there's one thing I could do is to offer coaching, cognitive coaching. We've spent all this money hiring coaches and no one's trained them how to coach. And so that was really the first thing that we began offering. And since that day, we've always made this about teachers. We've listened to teachers, but it was really a challenge to get people to understand who we were, what we did. And those first years were really challenging years because people had no idea who we were and what we were about. So we were asking people really to take a leap of faith. And I look at what we offer today and who comes to our trainings, who engages with us in social media spaces. And quite honestly, I'm overwhelmed. Wow, that's an amazing journey. Now, my next question is typically your greatest successes, but it seems like your greatest challenge became one of your greatest successes, and I'm sure there's a lot more. But if you want to share another one. Well, you know, I'm going to just say my greatest success was achieving national board certification. That has really come to define who I am as a teacher. I did that over 20 years ago. And while things have changed since then, I'm currently operating under a certificate where they last for 10 years. 
And so while I've been out of the classroom for almost 20 years, I've chosen to go back and renew that certificate. I get no extra money on my salary schedule because I'm a board certified teacher, but it has come to define who I am. It's come to define my belief system. And I think that if I'm going to want to work with teachers, I need to be able to demonstrate that I can still teach. Mm -hmm. Now, the last time I did it was I last renewed last year at this time. And so the year prior to that, I was in a classroom teaching and I thought, wow, you know, I still have my game. (laughs) Every time I go back into classrooms, my respect for teachers only deepens. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, Kathy, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? That's an easy one. Stick with it and have some tenacity. Don't give up on it. I remember this teacher, he was upset with the teachers union and his local association. And he says, and that's why I'm not a member. And I said, well, you know, it's easy to throw stones when you're not part of something. And I said, I would encourage you to join and seek a leadership position within that organization. And so I think that is to find other like-minded people and stick with it and find allies because they exist. And going back to that quote, be the change you want to see in others and lead by example. I think that we all have great potential, but people will follow inspiring leaders who are positive, but yet honest, Mm -hmm. who aren't afraid to tackle tough issues and will give praise where it's needed and feedback and maybe even a little criticism where it's warranted but always seeking solutions. So to a young leader or someone that's struggling, I would say seek out others like you and don't give up. Great advice. Okay, so many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Learning can take shape in many ways. You know, we can take classes, we can go to workshops, we can observe others, we can read books. And I think for me, many years later, I think about five years ago, I finally finished my doctorate degree. That was something that was important to me that I wanted to do for myself. And for me nowadays, it's reading journal articles, it's reading books. I've been more fascinated about the policy world and just what moves policymakers. And so some of the books I'm reading aren't necessarily having anything to do about education, but leaders that I respect or I want to learn more about. And they might even be not really somebody who I ascribe to, but I want to learn more about them because they have followers. And I think that goes back to something I said earlier is seeking multiple perspectives around other issues that maybe are different than yours. Yeah, and that's incredibly important, especially nowadays. So I really appreciate that. Now, you mentioned you read a lot. So what have you read that our listeners should read and why? Oh, my gosh. So they're not teaching books. They're not education at all right now. But the book that I liked the most, and I can't remember the title, but it's Senator Al Franken's most recent book. And, you know, it's an irreverent look at his life as a comedian and trying to be taken seriously in the U.S. Senate. But a part of that book that has really resonated with me is being of service to others. And someone just the other day, they were talking about that. And I said, you know, teachers serve. Mm -hmm. We serve communities. We serve families. And so where is our service? And so as I read that book, and he talked about the late 
Senator Paul Wellstone, I started really thinking about what is my role to serve and make the lives better of those around me. And so, you know, for me, it's public education. And how can I use my voice to elevate public education, not only in Arizona, but in the United States? So that would be an example of something I've read recently. You know, I look at these books and I think about how they apply to me. Great. If there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? This is going to sound somewhat cliche, but in the United States, when we have conflict in other countries, we do what we need to to protect our interests. And those interests may or may not be things that I agree with, but we do what we need to do to protect America's interests. We provide the funding necessary to fight those battles. And I would like to see that we protect America's interests in our public schools and we fund them and we support the professionals that are in them. I think right now public education is a political football. We think that anyone can teach And I can remember Dennis Van Roekel, the previous president of the NEA, said, I taught calculus, so if anybody can teach whatever the content they know, I should be able to teach kindergarten. And he says, there's no way I can teach kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I agree to that. And I just wish we would support our schools and the buildings that service our students Our kids and our education employees are working in teaching and learning conditions in many of the schools around America many of us would never work in. Our elected leaders would not work in them. And I think that we've asked our teachers, I mean, it's a budget that is easily cut, and I think it's because our students don't have a voice. And so if I could change one thing, it's to fund our schools. Our schools should just be amazing places for learning. And every state probably has that one school that's like that shining star where the best teachers teach and the building is outfitted with every 21st century learning tool where it takes into what we know research tells us that works and it's filled with quality professionals, high quality that are well educated. That school should be the same for every child in the United States. And so if I could change that, that's what it would be. Mm, That we value our public education, our teachers, and our students, the future of this Mm -hmm. country, right? Yes. And I think ultimately it's about the students we serve. They deserve the very best America has to offer. Because in today's students, we have tomorrow's leaders. We have tomorrow's doctors. We have tomorrow's scientists. We have tomorrow's elected officials. We have tomorrow's lawyers. We have tomorrow's mechanics. We have tomorrow's plumbers. We have tomorrow in our schools today. And we have no idea what our children are going to become. And as a result, every child should have the best possible education so that they can explore their own dreams of what they'd like to be and what they might like to contribute back to our society. Thank you so much, Kathy, for that. Now, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for that? You know, every day I start the day, I look at my calendar and I think, okay, this is what I've got to do today. And this is what I have to accomplish. And lately what I've been doing at the end of every meeting, 
okay, this is what I need to do for these people. Because this has been a recent learning and it shouldn't have taken this long, but for other people to be successful around me, I've got to meet certain goals for them. Hmm. And so what is it that I need to do so that they can do their jobs? And then at the end of the day, sometimes it's while I'm driving home or right before I go to bed, I think about the day, okay, what worked today and what do I need to do tomorrow? And for me right now, I'm also thinking in a bigger picture because I have been in this public sphere for so long. I've spent a long time watching the same things happen over and over and over again that aren't necessarily good. So I also spent a good portion of my time while I wait for others thinking about what can I do to make a difference here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So I often say that I'm addicted to creating and I'm addicted to learning. Mm -hmm. And so I often find myself in that same space that you're talking about. But one of the things that I had to learn to do and continue, I'm still in the learning process, is to maintain balance because there's so much to do. So, Kathy, what advice would you give us about maintaining balance? Oh, I'm not sure I'm the best person. (laughs) I'm still trying to learn that part. I think, you know, for me, it's keeping things in perspective and remembering at the end of the day, it's your family and friends that keep you centered and whole and finding time just to relax and do the things that you enjoy And the problem for me, and I think for a lot of teachers, is it's our teaching and our work and education that brings us a great deal of joy. So I try to find a way to still make time away from that, but then to try new things. And so for me lately, it's been really making an effort to read more, whether they're journal articles or books, reading other genres, things Mm -hmm. that maybe you don't typically read. But at the same time, leaning on your family and friends, because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That's right. Thank you so much for that. Now, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Not wait so long. There's so many ways to lead and not be afraid of change. I remember when I became a mentor, you know, if you were a teacher, you were in a classroom with kids. We didn't have coaches or teachers on assignment. So for us to have a mentoring program, Myself and two other board-certified teachers were asked to create a mentoring program for our district, and I had to move out of my classroom. And I had acquired so much stuff that they let me keep my classroom. And one year into it, the principal at the school said, you know, we're going to need your classroom. We're going to need you to move your things out of the classroom. And I just looked at all this stuff, and I thought, oh, my gosh, where am I going to put it all? And so I brought it all home. I thought, I am not spending money on storage. This is ridiculous. And so basically, I ran an ad in the paper and sent a flyer that, I don't know, 20 years of teaching was up for sale. (laughs) And I sold everything, Um, my books, the bookshelves my father had made for me, everything. And someone said, why are you doing that? Aren't you going back to teaching? And I said, yeah, that's the plan right now. But I've realized that this stuff this fifth grade materials is keeping me in fifth grade. And Mm. every year teachers start, there's one teacher more experienced, she says, yeah, every year you watch these teachers, they have a handbag and a pack of red pens. And (laughs) I thought to myself, you know, I have everything I need to teach. And that's my wits and my smarts and my talents. And I wish I hadn't been so entrenched for so long and maybe had changed it up a little bit more along the way and being more willing to be a little bit more vulnerable earlier in my career and risk 
that failure earlier on because I think I would have had more experiences along the way. Mm, Wonderful. Okay. So Kathy, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? No matter the teaching context that you have. We all play a role. And I would just challenge and encourage teachers to step up and lead. And when you're tired of leading, let others lead with you or alongside you or take over, but not be afraid to use your voice in the things that you are most passionate about to advance the teaching and learning that goes on in America's classrooms. Wow, Kathy, it's been such a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Lily, thank you so much. This is indeed an honor and it's been a lot of fun. Hello leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.